for it. Hello, we're here. We're back. Hello! <laughs> we're here. We're back. Present. We're present. <laughs> welcome, you guys, to Dark Alignment, or welcome back if you are a returning listener slash viewer. There's a viewer quality to what we do here. Yes. We are, we're a visual podcast. Um, but this is episode 10. I cannot Double believe digits. it. Our baby... Is reaching its preteen, very awkward, difficult years is what. Mm, yeah, tween, tween time. <laughs> tween time. Yeah. Um, so in case you are new, uh, we're a true crime astrology podcast. And I am Brittany. And I'm Amy. I'm also a Ruka Rose online, mostly everywhere. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Being consistent. I'm so brand except in person. I'm really only <laughs> one place and that place is Instagram and I am at Brit underscore Oakley so you can follow us um, on our personal pages. And there's links below. There's links below. Yes. You can get to know us. You can follow the podcast at Dark Alignment. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course here on YouTube. So yes. and expanding. You- we are expanding. Platforms very slowly. Mm-hmm. Very, very slowly. slowly. <laughs> Emphasis on the slowly part. Um, but <laughs> we're trying, guys. We're trying. Yeah. Um, so for 2020, we will be expanding to mm-hmm. other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can follow us. You can like us. You can subscribe. Mm-hmm. You can hit the bell. You can hit the bell so you, you don't hit the bell. So you don't miss any of our fucking cool content. <laughs> um. The last time we were here, we were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Super fucked up story. So if you missed that Mm -hmm. one, um, prepare yourself for it. And then go back and listen to it, because that was quite the ride. Mm -hmm. We Uh, also talked about uh, Jimmy Kimmel recently. We did! So we we did our first rant video a while back, and we've actually had a lot of really great feedback on that. So thank Mm -hmm. you guys. And based on that feedback, we will have more rants for you. Yeah, we probably would have done them done more either way. I, I think we probably would have kept making them either way. <laughs> yeah, even if nobody wanted it, we are going to bring we're, it we're to you. We're giving it to you, though. <laughs> Giving you the shit you didn't ask for. That's us here at Dark Alignment. Um, <laughs> yep. So, this is going to be our last podcast of 2019 because we are right before the new year. Yes. And um, I would like to announce my podcast resolution <laughs> that I will be starting on this episode. So I'm getting okay, a head it? start. All right. Okay, my resolution. Resolution. I'm going to be citing my sources for a change. That's a good idea. I started out doing really good at it. That's and like then, a really good idea. And, and then, then I just like, that... I fell by the wayside mm-hmm. and I have not been giving proper credit. So this episode I'm crediting all my sources, what? which is, I'm very proud of myself. People are going to like that. People yes. are going to not want to sue me for like using being able to, in their research. If we were really going to go above and beyond, we would cite it in the description, too. Oh, that's really far, I don't though. know if I, I can do that. This might be a little too much right now. That's too much. We'll yeah. work our way there maybe in 2021. <laughs> that's the next <laughs> ne- following year's resolution. Do you have any podcast resolutions? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to try not to yawn. <laughs> when you're telling the stories. That's a really, that would make I, me I feel better about every myself. time I do it, I just get tired in general. <laughs> hey, you know, you're um, pregnant. It's not your it's, fault. Right. It's, a lot of it is, I, I noticed it picked up way more <laughs> when I got pregnant. Um, but then I couldn't say it's because I was pregnant for a while either. So right. Like, that was okay. a hot secret for um, a little bit. Yeah. So. That's, that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to mask it as something else. 
Just make it look like a right, yeah, like a face. I'm like, gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna. <laughs> well, it's not twenty. It's not twenty twenty yet. Yeah, so Today, you're good. As long as I upload this tomorrow, we're good. <laughs> oh yeah, it's our New Year's Eve. <laughs> so happy New Year, you guys. Happy New Year, or whatever you celebrate. Is this different in other Chinese New Years? It's other places thing, have different. I don't know. New Year's different. Does anybody give a shit about? If you don't give a shit about New Year's, like let us know because that's interesting. <laughs> Hit us up and let us know about what you do. Because um, Winter Solstice is also considered like a new New Year kind oh, of thing, and then like there's okay. lots of different. Tell like, us how you celebrate. The changing of the <laughs> passing of time. <laughs> um, okay. So, episode 10, we are doing um, a story that one day I was just thinking, walking around my house, and I had like an epiphany, and I got chills mm-hmm. all over my body, and I texted Amy, and I was like, <laughs> I know what fucking episode we're doing. It just came to me. We are going to be covering the Columbine shootings. So, I know this is a really heavy story. Which is why I've kind of done my research a little bit differently for this episode to be really mm-hmm. sensitive to Same. this tragedy. <laughs> it's been 20 years since the event, mm-hmm. um, but still, it it uh, it has affected a lot of people. It's affected an entire nation. It was one of those national tragedies where even people outside of the direct situation felt it. I know that I was in the seventh grade at the time, mm-hmm. and the idea of a school shooting was like, Super scary. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very sensitive to the fact that this is like an impactful story. Mm -hmm. So I guess without further ado, we'll fucking jump in. So hardcore trigger warning, y'all. This is a very, very tragic story. Um, And for my citation, (laughs) resolution, um, the credit goes to history.com and Wikipedia. Please donate. I actually donated while I was doing this research. So please donate to Wikipedia. Look above and beyond. I fucking... Citing and and (laughs) donating. And like paying back because I do get a lot of my research from Wikipedia, at least portions of it, Mm -hmm. almost every time. I don't think I've done an episode Mm -hmm. where I didn't take at least something from Wikipedia, whether it's dates, times, locations. Because it's a good way to like make sure you didn't miss anything. Yeah. Yeah, get like... Yeah. So if you utilize Wikipedia at all, like please donate even just a few dollars. Like it it really does make a difference. So Wikipedia, fucking awesome. And also we have um section that I'd like to credit from I Survived. If you have never seen the oh, show yeah. I Survived, like This is the oh. cool thing that she did cuz like this yes. like whole compilation of notes <laughs> like over this is not anything you can just like Pull up and find. Right. Online. It was actually one of those things where I was looking for the whole story and I felt like I was just getting little pieces mm-hmm. and fragments from all these different places. And then the episode of I Survived, there are two survivors of the Columbine shootings who each tell their personal account and it just adds um, a level of insight mm-hmm. that I could not otherwise have and also just the emotional aspect yeah. of how this changed so many people's lives in just a matter of minutes and it it's it's pretty crazy so i'm excited to bring some of that energy into the story today so let's fucking go okay um overview of the story in general so columbine high school is located in littleton colorado and for those of you who don't know the story i feel like everybody does but if you don't um there were two teenage boys who went on a shooting spree and then committed the act of suicide after 
So um, at the time, it was the worst high school shooting in U.S. history. It prompted a national debate about gun control and school safety, and as well as major investigation to determine what motivated the two gunmen. Um, so the two gunmen, Eric Harris, he was 18, and Dylan Klebold was 17. Um, it's still one of the most infamous shootings in U.S. history, and it just kind of like there's a lot of interest around the two young men, who mm-hmm. they were, and kind of how all of this escalated to them actually committing this horrific act. So one investigative journalist described Eric Harris, who was the older one, as, quote, the callously brutal mastermind, while Dylan Klebold was quoted as being a quivering depressive who journaled obsessively about love and attended the Columbine prom Three days before the shoot. I guessed right based on their charts then. <gasps> oh, shit, really? <laughs> That's I was like, awesome. this one was the schemer, and this one oh was Oh, my the- <laughs> God. You could, like, see that? Yeah. That was what I, I was hoping that you, that I was right. Yes. I didn't double check. Because I was wondering <laughs> if that would show up differently, like, on their charts. Oh, yeah, but, it, does. Um, it does. Go ahead. Teaser so for later. We're going to go into kind of a little bit of history. There wasn't a lot of historical information on either mm. of the boys. Um, there was a little bit more on Eric who is, like, the mastermind, supposedly. Um, Mm -hmm. So he was born April 9th, 1981, which means he's an Aries. Aries. Uh, So fire, fire energy for sure. Um, His dad was in the Air Force. His mom was a homemaker, and they moved around a lot. So he Mm -hmm. was, like, military brat until his dad retired, and then they settled down in Littleton in 1993. Mm -hmm. So they lived there for six years before the shooting. So he had been established there, junior high, like, middle school, like, all that kind of, like, awkward Yeah, he lived his life there. Right. Um, So from all accounts, he had a lot of friends at this time. He was on the soccer team. Um, During his freshman year, he met a a girl named Tiffany. Okay. And uh, she was in their German class, the, mm-hmm. like, language course that he had, and uh, he took her to homecoming, and he, like, really had a lot of feelings for her. Um, but after the date, seemed like Tiffany was not interested in him anymore, which mm. did not sit well with him. And he actually, this was one of the first um, times anybody recalled any, like, fucked up behavior that okay. happened here. Once things didn't go his way. like Yeah, so after she refused to go out with him again... Eric staged a fake suicide, which oh, is like wow, yeah, super over the top. Like um, that fits. And and he like went to the level of sprawling out on the ground with fake blood splashed all over him. Um, she was actually like in front of her. She was screaming for help, and then Eric and his friends started laughing. And uh, this poor girl, poor Tiffany, like stormed off and was like, "You need to fucking get help! Like you're a piece mm-hmm. of shit, basically." Yeah. Um. So that was the first like indication that that there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. Um. Big indication. <laughs> and then over time, other people started noticing that his personality was changing and his behavior was changing. He was getting more irritable, angry, kind of reckless. Um. He was less accepting of his peers, less involved in activities Mm -hmm. that he used to enjoy. Um, So that reject him, like, got him pretty fucked up. But still, he was described as likable and charismatic. Mm -hmm. That was a... I love that you're like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is making sense. So, like, he was known Uh as somebody who was kind of touchy-feely. He hugged his female classmates. Um, 
On, on one occasion, he even gave his favorite teacher a Christmas present, so he came off as, like, thoughtful. Mm. Um, but he often bragged about his ability to deceive other people. So he, there's a level of deception going on there. He was known yeah. to be kind of ill-tempered. He got angry pretty quickly and would, like, kind of blow up. And then leading up to the shooting, people noticed that he was, like, angry with everyone and felt it, like, seemed like no one was quite up to his standards. Like, like nobody was a good person in his eyes. Like, everybody kind of mm-hmm. fell short. Everybody kind of sucked. His for trust had been broken. So it yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So his worldview definitely uh, changed mm-hmm. there. So that's the basic background of Eric. So now we're going to talk about Dylan, who is, like, kind of viewed as, like, more of the follower in the two of them. Like, he was kind of going along with it. Uh, he was born September 11th, 1981. And what does that make him? September 11th. Is that still Libra? He's a, or is, that's not September Scorpio 11th. Yet. Yeah, he's Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Mm-hmm. I always forget Virgo, even though I have exactly. a lot of Virgo in my chart. I always forget that Virgo's Virgo doesn't there. need to be there. <laughs> I always skip over it every time, which is really unfair it's kind of like a weird time of year too it's like a it's like almost the like i don't know it's like kind of summer kind of fall not yeah. really either i don't know yeah it's like you just got back to school and shit it's terrible no <laughs> um so he was actually a colorado native so he lived there his whole life he grew up in a really religious family uh, both of his parents were Lutheran pacifists, which is really interesting that he came from, like, a family that was, like, pretty zen, low-key, mm-hmm. like, peacemaker type of yeah. uh, upbringing. And during his early years, uh, Dylan played t-ball, baseball, and soccer. He was in the Scub Scout, Scouts? Cub Scouts? <laughs> that was weird. Cub Scouts. So he was, like pretty fucking normal as far as kids go like those are all pretty basic little boy things he was <laughs> described by his peers as being painfully shy like really yeah. quiet reserved um mm-hmm. another thing like kind of like a social awkwardness is that dylan would often take several minutes to prepare himself for a conversation mm-hmm. so even with the people close to him like he really had to think a lot about what he was going to say, how he was going to say it, like his method of delivery. So there's a lot of like, I don't even know if it's like a self-consciousness or just having to prepare for those mm-hmm. social interactions. Like they did, yeah. he was not a social butterfly. He didn't have that charisma mm-hmm. effect like Eric did. So um, he would blush and like get really fidgety when somebody new talked to him, especially girls. Yeah. You know, that can that can be interesting. That can be awkward. I've experienced that. Um, <laughs> so, a lot of social awkwardness. But he was also prone to having angry outbursts. Um, he had been in a few verbal altercations with teachers throughout mm-hmm. his lifetime. And um, with his boss, like, so, you know, those teenage jobs. I even put the name of the pizza restaurant in here because I thought it was funny. His boss at... Blackjack pizza. So if you've ever had blackjack pizza, let us know. Is it any good? What's what's the, what's it all about? I don't I'm on pizza now. I fucking. I should have eaten meal before we started. Um, I mean, I'm I'm an advocate of snacks and food, so I'm gonna have to say yes. Yeah. Yes to that. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of all the information about Dylan. Again, not a whole lot um of history as far as their personal lives. But now we're going to talk about how the two of them met 
which I have titled The Perfect Storm. So oh, yeah. they met in the seventh grade, which is a super pivotal time. Like when I think mm-hmm. back about seventh grade, like that was one of the most monumental years of school for me. Like seventh mm-hmm. grade and ninth grade, those were two like really pivotal years for me as far as like my friend groups and mm-hmm. and the people around me. So I have a seventh grade story I could tell later. <gasps> Maybe for the Patreon. <laughs> We're going to tell some fucking awesome 7th grade yeah. stories. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll do a 7th grade story video seventh for grade Patreon stories. if you want to get on there. Write that down, please. Let's I will. 7th sure. <laughs> grade stories. Okay. Um, so they became pretty close um, over the next few years. And by the time they were juniors, they were described as inseparable, even though they had really opposite personalities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, a friend of theirs that was, like, really close to both of them said that they always sat alone together at lunch and kept to themselves. And then... With drawing. A, yeah. Yes. A rumor eventually started that the two of them were romantically involved, but there's never been anything to, like, corroborate that. Mm-hmm. Um, they they may not have even been aware... Be interesting. ...of the rumor. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> I mean... So, it was believed that Eric was emotionally dependent on Dylan... Uh, who was more liked by the broader student population because he mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of quiet kid. Like, mm-hmm. I always really loved the quiet so which, kids. So which one was dependent? Eric. So Eric, the okay. more charismatic, yeah. the older one. Became emotionally dependent on, on Dylan. Dylan. Yeah. Who was, who was more, more emotional feely. of yeah. the two. He better at, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also people really liked him more mm. because, yeah. I mean, I always loved Quiet kids. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, but I just felt like as a non-quiet kid. I know what you mean. I, I'm the opposite of the quiet kid. So it was like those were the people that I was like, let me let me bring you into this. Oh, my God. And it was just like a, it was like a mission for me. It was uh-huh. very weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I always, like, wanted to befriend people who seemed to be, like, more on the outside, too. Like, I always wanted to, like, bring people into, like, a, like a social type environment like I wanted to bridge be a bridge for people into whatever social setting yeah. I was in I don't know it's always been like a weird calling of mine. That makes sense, I love quiet people yeah I feel like well the people that were always like really show-offy really kind of like put me off anyway so it would then it was kind of like well the other people <laughs> unless it seemed authentic okay yeah this is I'm a Scorpio I don't this, want I don't want fake people this is uncontrollable is. this is this is at the core I, this is, I just can't handle the the fake feeling got of it. it but like if they're just if that's just who you are and you're just like being of like <laughs> needing to express yourself that's kind of yes. different to me okay that's but me like, AF. um yeah uh, like, I didn't, like, I had an issue with Leos for a while, because some Leos are, like, very fakey, show-offy, oh. uh, and Gemini's can kind of do that, too, a little bit. Yeah. And then, but then other times, that's just, like, genuinely their, their light, like, like mm-hmm. their essence, and, like, it can, it's, like, it can ring really differently in different people. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. No. I, that's the astrology side of it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Keep Go ahead. That. <laughs> so, again, like, Dylan was a little bit more... Uh, popular with other students. Mm-hmm. Like, the, even though he was socially awkward, like, people kind of found it endearing and liked him. And then Dylan's mom, along with a lot of uh, psychological experts, agreed that Eric's rage and hatred for society kind of, like, intertwined with Dylan's poor self-esteem yep. and a need for revenge. <laughs> so that caused them to kind of feed off of each mm-hmm. other and enter into what would eventually 
uh, become like a very deep friendship. Like I don't trust anybody but you. Right. You're my person that I, you know, the one person that's up to my standards in this world. Um, and there are a lot of differing reports. Uh, some say Harris and Klebold were very unpopular students and that they were targets of being of bullying. But other reports say they they weren't near the bottom of the social hierarchy, and each of them had, like, a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a conflicting yeah. report there. Um, but they, again, they were known to have total opposite personalities. And Eric was really outgoing. Dillett was quiet. And they were both really intelligent and kind of geeky and spent a lot of their time, like, playing computer games and video games. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fun, interesting thing. So, um, a little over a year before the shooting, in January of 1998, they were both arrested for breaking into a van and stealing equipment. So, many people believe that that further, like, sealed their bond. Right. When you do something, like, like illegal with your friend, it's always, like, it changes the dynamic for sure. Now we're bad bitches. Now, like... So they thought they were bad bitches together, and then um, later that year they started planning the massacre together. So that kind of set it all into motion, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing, like, they left behind a lot of journals and, like, writings that Mm -hmm. they'd done and home videos that were, like, foreshadowing the massacre and explaining their actions and what they Mm -hmm. hoped to achieve. And then in December of 1998, just four months before the shooting, the two made a Hitman for Hire video for a school project, which is, like, super fun. So fun of them. So fun. Like, they, they cussed a lot in it, which, who fucking cares? Um, they, but they yelled at the camera. They made violent statements. They acted out shooting and killing students in the hallways at Columbine in these videos that they made for a school project. So this was, like, major fucking red flags, mm-hmm. and nobody was really taking it very seriously. Nobody was... Nobody believed that these two young boys were, like, capable of actually doing any of these things. So they were both displaying these, like, themes of violence in their creative writing projects. Mm -hmm. Um, And on one of these, Eric's teacher said, quote, Yours is a unique approach, and your writing works in a gruesome way. Good details and mood setting. Oh. On his fucking graded paper. So he got some, some hot kudos from his teacher about, like, his fucking creativity skills. And just, again, no one thought they were capable of this. So, now we're going to go into the shooting. Again, trigger warning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to kind of move back and forth in between, like, the mm. overview of the story and then the survivor accounts. Because the survivor accounts of this story are so fucking powerful. Yeah. It's I'm really curious to hear those. Yes. I'm like, really curious. So... Kind of be ready. I cried so much in this episode. And I'd already seen this episode as I survived. So I was able to go back to it. And even, like, watching it the second time, I still was, like, just as emotional. I had to pause it several times to, like, kind of have a good cry and just, like, feel all those feelings. (laughs) And I also think that translates into my telling of the story. Is like, I can, the empath in me, I can really feel um, those deep feelings. So the morning of the shooting... They arrived at school in separate cars, and this was around 11, 10 a.m. Okay. They walked into the school cafeteria first, and they placed two duffel bags, each containing a 20-pound propane bomb that was set to explode at 11.17. Next, they went back outside to their cars and waited for the bombs to go off. So when the bombs didn't go off, as they, Mm -hmm. um, they had expected... 
uh, around to <laughs> the, oh wait, okay, they went for back to their backup plan. So the shooting spree was actually not their original plan. Yeah. Um, then at 11.19 a.m., so just, you know, a few minutes later, they approached the school dressed in trench coats and started shooting students outside. Ooh. And at this point, they moved inside of the school where they shot several students in the library. And this is where I'm going to go to... Ooh, I already have chills. Time to go to the survivor story because both of these students were in the library that day. Okay. So we're going to talk about Craig and Crystal. And each of them shared their story. I'm going to start with Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, her section of it isn't quite as heavy as Craig's. Yeah. Uh, his is really intense. So Crystal remembers that there were teachers running down the hall and screaming that everyone should hide because there were students shooting. Um, she was under a desk in the library. And she was like kind of towards the middle of the room. So like mm-hmm. not on the outside. She was kind of like tucked away in the middle. Yeah. Um. She said that the two boys announced that everyone was about to die, and that's when they started detonating bombs in the library. So that was their first, like, big move in there. They had yeah. already shot a few students mm-hmm. at this point. Um, one of the bombs actually exploded near Crystal, and uh, she said at that point, like, the fire alarms started going off. So this has me, like, I'm imagining, like, the flashes, and I'm imagining, like, the the loud fire alarms like you know what that sounds like yeah. and how like how like scary and, and yeah. loud and like the flashing of those and all the chaos so um she talks about like feeling the shrapnel hit her leg from those bombs exploding wow um, yeah so this is like complete chaos we're gonna jump over now to Craig so as this was all going on Craig was already in the library. He was goofing off with his friends one second, and then he started hearing the pops from the shooting. And initially, he thought it was a senior prank. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. April. This is, like, right before graduation. So he thought it was a senior prank, that somebody brought firecrackers to school was his exact Yeah, because it's not what you would, especially then, you wouldn't think. It's not really in human nature to assume things are more complex than they are. Exactly, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't automatically think, like, oh, well, I guess... Students are shooting and it's us like all. The, like, towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. like, you're thinking... Senior yeah. break. Mm-hmm. That's all he I would have, yeah. So, um, everyone was really panicked, and two students were already dead at this point. So, Craig gets under, like, these table-type desks. I saw, like, pictures of what they looked like. Yeah. So, it was like those long tables that, like, are a desk, too. So, there's a divider underneath the table on each side. Yeah. Um, so they're getting underneath there, and he is under there with his two best friends, Matt and Isaiah, and that's when they realized what was going on, and that they were in actual danger, and Craig says it, like, kind of took a minute for it to all sink in, Mm -hmm. but when Eric and Dylan entered the library, all of that, like, possibility of it being a prank just was shattered in, like, an instant. Um, so... (laughs) They opened fire in there, and Craig said he was afraid for his life. Um, they were going around shooting students in the head execution style, and they seemed to really be enjoying it. So, um, Craig recalls them saying that they would shoot anyone in a white cap next. Yeah. And, uh, that's significant because it was intended to target the jocks because they wore white baseball caps. And Craig was actually wearing one. So, um, whew. At that point, he took his hat off and put it underneath his shirt yeah. So I can't even imagine like, like how just, scary that would be. Ooh, yeah. Hearing hearing him say that that at that point he put it under his shirt because he was so scared. 
Um, and the two of them were acting like they were in a fucking movie or something. He said it was really theatrical. It all seemed like a game. They were, mm-hmm. like, jumping off the tables. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, I'm assuming that this was Eric who did this, mm-hmm. but the, the two survivors, neither of them named which person did what. They kept saying they right. and them as, like, the pronoun, and they never said, like, Eric did oh, this, Dylan did this. So that's kind of, like, left up to interpretation. But this huh. next part sounds more to me like Eric. I, I have no way of confirming mm-hmm. that. But one of them jumped off the table, said peekaboo, and shot a kid in the face wow. at that point. So they were, like, yeah, is super fucked up. They're, like, having a party, and then um, the next his friend Isaiah was targeted. So his best friend that's right next to him mm-hmm. was targeted because he's African-American. And, of course, they used um, racial slurs. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and you got to sound tough when you're yeah, yep, performing a shooting. And as Eric and Dylan approached him, Isaiah's last words were, I'm going to see my mom Whoa. before he was shot in the head. So Matt was the next victim on the other side of Craig because he looked like a jock. Mm-hmm. So, his two best friends are literally shot dead right fucking next to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, he decided that his best defense would be to play dead. So, that's what he did. He sat quiet and still as he listened to his friend die. He talks about hearing his friend gurgling and just, like, knowing he couldn't move and, like, do anything, wow. couldn't save him. So, just like thinking about the trauma yeah. of this and being a, in fucking high school and, like, experiencing something this intense... Um, and that all he could do at this point was pray. So we're going to kind of go back over to Crystal for a minute. So after, let's see, after like the shrapnel had hit her leg and everything and the shooting was going on, um, Eric and Dylan announced that they were going to get back at everyone who picked on them and that they had waited their whole lives for this moment. One of them pulled out a knife and said that he had always wanted to stab someone to death. Um, that they were, like, destroying all the computers and, like, rapid firing. Yeah. If they were, like, firing in the air and firing at walls and, like, trashing the Going library wild. and, like, shooting yeah. people and jumping off tables. So it's just, like, total fucking chaos going on in there. Um, and that bullets were ricocheting off everything. The mm. fire alarms are still going off. Like, this is just complete madness happening yeah. in there. I'm sure there were people screaming. There were people mm-hmm. literally dying. Um, and they ran out of ammo. So, they left the library, and Crystal said it seemed, like, really evident that they were going to come back. Like, it seemed like they Mm -hmm. went to go get more. And then, of course, on their way out, they destroyed more shit. They were, like, throwing stair, or throwing stairs, throwing chairs Mm -hmm. on their way out. And that they had killed ten students at this point. Whoa. So, we're going to shift back over to Craig, because once they left the library, um, Craig felt panicked, and he knew he needed to get the fuck out of there. So, Mm -hmm. he stood up. And he's looking around the library at, like, everything oh that's going on, and no one else was standing. Ooh, this part gives me chills. Like, the ima- imagining that and looking around. Can't imagine that. No one else was standing, and he's starting to get out of there, and he saw a fellow student who had been shot badly in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was asking him for help. So he fucking carried her out of the library, and he, like, yelled out to everybody, like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And so everyone followed behind him, which is just, like... Yeah. yeah. His story is so powerful, guys. <laughs> this story is, like, his his account of the story is incredible. So he carries this girl out of the library. Everybody's following behind him. They were trying to get out before Eric and Dylan could come back. 
Mm-hmm. They made their way outside, and they saw the cop cars everywhere. So to be safe, they, like, went behind the cop cars. And, uh, of course, Eric and Dylan did come back to the library after reloading. And a shootout ensued between the boys and the police. And at this point, um, the two of them took their own lives at the same time. Okay. So they both died, I believe mm-hmm. it's 12.08. Yeah, 12.08 yep, p.m. So this whole ordeal, if you think about everything that just happened, this is like 30 minutes of total fucking chaos. Like, just thinking about like your whole world shattering in that amount of time. And it must have seemed like hours. Yeah. Like, to be in that library and to be in that situation. Because the shooting started at what time? Do you have a time? Um, they started at 11.19. Okay. Because that was when the bombs didn't go off and they entered the school and just started, like, rapid firing. Mm-hmm. So, um, just crazy. Uh, after they took their own lives, like, the students were all on the lawn taking care of each other. So they were trying to stop the bleeding of other students. Like, people were taking off their shirts and using it as, like, a tourniquet and, like, Mm -hmm. trying to help each other until help got there because it was just so fucking bad. And just when you think it couldn't get worse for Craig, it does because his sister Rachel is unaccounted for as students are evacuating the building. Oh, wow. An entire day went by before the family could confirm that his no, sister was killed. Make it. She was actually the first victim. Whoa. So, Craig talks about how he carried around a lot of hatred mm-hmm. for many years. It took a long time to find forgiveness. Um, but now he says that he is living his life to the fullest in Rachel's honor. So that day was fucking insane. And those are the survivor accounts of the story so now we're going to kind of shift back into just like the how this was um investigated okay so we're looking at yeah dylan and eric chose their victims kind of randomly like overall Mm -hmm. it it was random but also targeted like they didn't pick out a list of names and seek out certain students they Mm -hmm. were like let's fucking kill the jocks because it's symbolic of all the jocks that made fun of us or whatever it's more general than like yes yeah and originally they wanted to kill hundreds of people they just wanted to set off bombs and just fucking kill people like it was it was more Mm -hmm. about like doing revenge on the institution yes than individual people so um that's pretty interesting about it and there was speculation that they committed these killings because, I will never forget this, because they were members of the group of social outcasts, outcasts mm-hmm. called the Trenchcoat Mafia, which was mm-hmm. uh, like part of goth culture. And I remember this. This is after like the whole 90s like satanic panic yeah. bullshit. And I do remember like I went to school with kids that wore trench coats and everybody was like mm-hmm. freaking out about those kids now yeah. saying they were part of the trench coat Mafia. I was a little young, but I remember it. I remember Yeah. 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 I forget you're younger than me. I was, yeah. really, I was like 1999, like, I was in kindergarten. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I, was I, remember, I remember going to the, like, going places where teenagers were, mm-hmm. like, um, like the roller skating rink and, like, wherever, you know, like the movie theater. You and I would see, I remember out. seeing it. Yeah. But I don't remember, I wasn't like, I didn't care. No, I was like, <laughs> I had a friend who lived down the street from me who wore a trench coat all the time and he was super cool. Mm-hmm. We like, we were friends from kindergarten to high school, and, like, yeah. he was one of the people who wore a trench coat, and, like, people would mm-hmm. say shit about it, and mm-hmm. really piss me off, but still, it was, like, this whole thing about, like, the goth culture, so, like, goth culture was kind of attacked, which is super fucking unfair, but, um, I just remember, like, being the age around yeah. the age of these kids, and it being, like, such a huge fucking deal, mm-hmm. um, 
And it was also speculated that they carried out the shootings as retaliation for being Mm -hmm. bullied. And of course, violent video games and music were blamed for this. And this was like around, this was also the time that Eminem had just come out. And he, I mean, there's so much. But he talks a lot about going this. on at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like the Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. It talks so much about like how he was definitely being blamed for a lot of it. He names Columbine in one of his songs. It's actually bleeped out. Um, yeah, I remember you. Saying I that, was telling yeah. you about this. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually um, those lyrics are bleeped out because it was so sensitive to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was kind of just like making a statement of like. It's not my fault. I make this music. He would say, like, is it because I rap this way? <laughs> like, which always, you know, makes me happy. But um, that was, like, and that's not proven. It, it It's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation where people with violent tendencies are more drawn to violent things. And yeah. not necessarily that violent things cause violent tendencies in people. It's one of those, like, mm-hmm. If, if you have those violent it's, tendencies, you're probably going to be more likely to seek them out. It doesn't yeah, mean you're going to act on any same, of it. Right. So, uh, I get I get frustrated with that. But through their journals, this was like a big thing. Investigators um, discovered that they'd been planning to bomb the school for at least a fucking entire year. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, so that day, total death toll, 12 students and one teacher were killed. Um Tons of people were injured. Everybody was affected. And still to this day, it's the fourth deadliest shooting in U.S. Mm. history. Mm. So after the crimes occurred, there were some arrests that were made. So Mark Maines is the man who sold a gun to Eric and bought him 100 rounds of ammunition the day before the shooting. He was sentenced to six years in prison. And another man named Philip Duran, who introduced Eric and Dylan to Mark Maines, went to prison too. I'm not sure uh, how much time he served, but mm-hmm. um, there were arrests made. Like people were held accountable for contributing yeah. to this after the fact because obviously, you know, the two gunmen were cowards and took their own lives, you know, when they knew that fucking shit was going down. Right. So that is the heaviness of the Columbine shootings with some incredible survivor accounts that, yeah. like, who I'm proud of myself. I did not cry. almost cried. I, I made it through it. I hope you guys... Hi, Seeds, man. She's going to cry. She's I'm going to feel it so deeply. <laughs> it's like I was there. It, that's, that's how I feel every time I, like, go through one of these stories and, like, talk about the victims and, like, get into that place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to kind of speak from that place because, again, when we cover these stories, like... We totally understand how much it affects people, how much Mm -hmm. this particular story, even if you didn't live in Colorado, you could have lived in South Carolina, you could have lived in New York. Like, if you were a a person old enough to understand what this was at the time, Mm -hmm. you remember it, you were affected by it. Even, Even 20 years later, it has been 20 years since this happened, and it still impacts people. It still impacts the town of Littleton, Colorado. So... Without further ado, we're going to chart this shit up. We're going to... We're doing Sinistry mm-hmm. We reading. have more than that. And we we have, have... Okay, so I'm going to go through Eric's natal chart. I'm okay. going to try to just quickly hit everything. Yeah. Um, Eric's natal chart, Dylan's natal chart, them together, and then their death Ooh, charts. okay. Um, cool. There's a lot happening. Oh, God. Okay. I'm ready okay. for it. For okay. chart stuff. I feel a little scattered with everything. 
It's okay. But we're gonna we're gonna go through lots of stuff. Okay. Uh, so even if I don't hit everything I could, you're still getting a lot. You're getting so much good content, you don't even know it yet. So. So naturally, I wanted to start with Eric for some reason. He's the older one. <laughs> Yeah, and he is. The more... He just had his birthday, like when the shooting happened too. Like, oh shit, that's yeah. right. And he was born on the 9th, like... and then the shooting was on the twentieth. So, oh, wow, April. Um, I didn't realize how freshly eighteen he was. Yeah, he couldn't wait. You know, he wanted to turn. I guess would he have been a senior? Yeah, yes, he yeah. Was a so senior. he couldn't wait for the uh, Dylan's birthday because then he would it would have been too late. They would have been out of school by then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and also, because yeah. Dylan had his September birthday, and that's mm-hmm. one of those awkward times of year where it's like, do you start mm-hmm. your child in school when they're four, or do you wait till they're like mm-hmm. fucking six? I don't know. It's weird. Um, so he got to be 18, but... And you know what? If he had fucking survived, he would have been tried as an adult for this crime. Oh, yeah. I'm Actually, sure. I feel like they would have tried both of them both as an adult. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> but, when those but laws But, like, changed. it would have been definitely... At least yeah. Said, yeah. There, there's been a lot of changing in those laws, and I don't know much about Colorado law since we live in Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, he. <laughs> I mean, Eric would have definitely been tried as an adult oh, for yeah. these crimes. So, born April 9th, nineteen eighty one, uh, Wichita, Kansas. Oh, Ooh. some places have his birth um, entered as Plattsburgh, New York. Um, he did come from a military family, so that, that could probably be why there's some discrepancy. Well, it says that, okay, this is what I found. This is, like, a whole thing. So, okay. <laughs> um, birth at 9.37 p.m., Wichita, Kansas, uh, blah, blah, blah. The birth was originally entered as Plattsburgh in Y, um, New York. Yeah. All internet searches on Harris tell of his birth in Wichita, Kansas. There are source notes, blah, blah, blah. Let me go get through this like bit of sources that I can't pronounce and yeah, then, no. we, if we can't pronounce um, that we're not gonna I mean it's just it. boring okay so then, <laughs> um, that's the exception to my resolution if I can't actually pronounce what I'm fucking so, quoting from then I'm not gonna try during it yeah some of the <laughs> whatever uh <sighs> while when he was arrested prior at age 16 um they listed his birthplace as Wichita Kansas also, um, I guess he had filled out an uh, application with the Marine Corps Corps. Oh, um, wow. What following And he filled steps? it out as Wichita, Kansas, as his birthplace. Okay. So that's why, why we're going with Wichita. We're Kansas. trusting the legal documents. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. there. <laughs> so if you, if, you pull, if, you, if you Google it and you see the New York place, um, it, it's not probably right. Somebody fucked it up. But it is, like, way easier to just find New York and be like, cool, okay, whatever, and not, like, look into it any further. <laughs> Good um, job doing your homework. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm, so I'm glad you. I decided to look it up sooner <laughs> this time. Okay, so that makes him an Aries. His son is in the fifth house. Um, his moon is in Cancer in the eighth house. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I know. And then his ascendant is in Scorpio. Oh, wow. Um, the gang's make, all That here. might be why I wanted to do his chart first alone. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if I, even though I had no idea about any of those except his sun sign, I still would have wanted to do his first. Just kind of, yeah. He's the more dominant. Aries naturally goes first, you know. Yeah. Oh um, my god. And then also, you know, Cancer. His moves in Cancer in the eighth house, which is the house of Scorpio, of course. Um, of course. So <laughs> he has some major conjunctions on his sun sign. Um, his sun is conjunct Venus and Mars. It's square series and trying to tune retrograde and trying Vesta. But with that, like, 
Venus and Mars conjunction, it makes him even more, like, passionate. Like, intense. About everything. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really um, intense to me. Yeah, it is. And Aries is already kind of intense. Right. Uh, and, you know, Mars is the ruler of Aries. It's, it's a lot of energy, like, mm-hmm. right there. Very fiery, um, very passionate and caring. Um, and it can also come off as very fun-loving and, like... Mm-hmm charming like when you have venus like a venus conjunction like that like people are drawn to it like they think it's nice a lot of times um he also has his north node in leo so i mean he's really kind of um and his son is in the house of leo it's the fifth house so he's really sort of this expressive like fun loving type of okay natural state like he, sense. like the friends, having a lot of friends around him. Let me go to the page I was actually writing on. Um, and this like abundance mindset like makes sense is like mm-hmm. his, like where he wants to express his energy, where he, it, like, I don't know, kind of like the core of his energy. Um, but then this when you very theatrical to it, me. There's a, yeah, like there's a lot of good energy here, but yeah. it's like conflicting with his moon a lot in Cancer in the 8th house and his Mm. vertex is conjunct that as well. Um, So he's really like forced to look at his emotions and he can't, it's like, it's kind of like you can't escape your emotions. It's kind of like when you're depressed and you just feel like like there's no way out or something. Like it's kind of like that all the time for him. Whether it's a good emotion or a bad. So it's like He's so stuck in that, can- and Cancer is also very moody. Like, Cancer Moon is, like, yeah. Um, it can be a good place for the moon, but also it's, like, there's a depth there that people might not, like, see right away. With, Again, water signs. With how, like, like really... fun and exuberant he could be, yeah. and then also, like, he's got all of this, like... It's intense. Yeah. I feel like all the water signs are really intense, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, they feel really intense. He might have come off a little bit like the like emotional because of that like water scorpio mm-hmm. um rising sign uh, but that also may have come off as like Mar- you know scorpio is also ruled by mars and pluto mars too so that's like more mars energy on top of all his other mars energy and kind of maybe even more sexual too like maybe getting the ladies or i don't know uh, maybe or I don't bombing know, people it might with have been ladies attracted to him. and faking um, a suicide um what <laughs> yeah like maybe like a magnetic kind of thing yeah um yeah but people might have picked up a little bit on, like, the emotional depth, but, like, can- a lot of people are surprised by Cancer Moons because it's, like, their sun sign and their rising might come off so different and make them mm. seem, like, so, like, easygoing or so whatever. Like, they can hide their emotions a little easier because it's, like, um, it's it's only in their internal self. Like, it's only, yeah. like, it's really a lot depthier than it comes off a lot of times. So that probably plays into, like, the deception he talked about. Like, I can deceive people. Because mm-hmm. he's got cause I can so hide much it. else going on. There's some internal shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely got the internal shit. <laughs> internal Like, a lot of times when I, when I talk to people, when I pull up their charts and they have, like, a moon and cancer, I'm like, oh, you're a lot more emotional than you than, like, people think. And they're, okay. and they're always like, yeah. Wow. Um, Can't and relate. They're kind of, like, scared a little. They get, like, a little scared. Like, oh, I didn't. I'm surface uh, <laughs> emotion, and I, uh. You know, it's, it, we are air moons. It's different. Yeah, that's We're, very It's true. different. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> his moon is, um, you know, inescapable. His, his, it's very intense. Like, it's a lot, okay? It's 
also squared by um, some really interesting placements. It's got <laughs> Jupiter um, okay. retrograde square, Saturn retrograde square. That's a lot of stress on your moon. Actually, I think they both hmm. have Saturn switch to their moon, or is that something else? I, was like, I looked at so many charts for them. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, it's not the same. But yeah, because you later. looked at four charts in total for them. No, more, than, more than that. Because because uh, I looked at each natal, and then I looked at their theirs together, and then I looked at each of their deaths on their charts. So it's five. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he's got um, those two squares, which can be a lot of stress, like a ton of stress on the moon, like a ton of stress emotionally, like a lot of. Um, like if anything triggers his emotions to go bad, which it did, <laughs> um, clearly, like he is so set up for failure. Like, um, mm. his, you know, he's got, it, it's going to feel like the world is just not on his side in any way. Like there's, it's like, it's, the, it's that total opposite of his son and like exuberant thing going on. It's like. Um, all the, all of a sudden, like, everything must hate him. There's no option for growth. There's, um, Mm. like, the structure of everything, that Saturn, the structure and the discipline of the world is also beating down on him, um, emotionally. (laughs) And it's... Wow. It's really... heavy. (laughs) His past reminds him a lot of, like, this, um, kind of... like uh, societal issues because he's got the south node in Aquarius, so he's kind of thinking like oh. in terms of that too. That ties into it a little bit. Okay. Um, but then the scheming part is like even more interesting to me because uh, he's got squares to his Mercury and Pholus, which are conjunct each other also in Aries, so that makes them very uh, kind of aggressive. Okay. <laughs> Also, like, Mercury is your mind, it's your thoughts, it's your plan, it's how you uh, think through things. Ooh. And there, so there is conflict when thinking through his emotions and planning things. Uh, it kind of makes him schemey on its own. And then to make it even worse, Folus is there. And wherever Folus is on your chart, it's going to exaggerate that part of your chart, for better or for worse. Um, so he has this, like overreacting scheming like really strong in his chart Mm. um and that ties into like so it's aspecting like most of his other placements like it's tied in to his it's like it becomes a coping mechanism for him um because his emotions are so much and then he can't get away from them and then it's like that's that feels like an outlet i think to him um and yeah Hmm. Uh, okay. It's it makes sense when you look at all of this to for him to see, for him to see like my ear keeps popping. Oh and no! It, it makes my voice sound different, like back and forth. Okay, I'm deaf on one side, which most people probably don't know that I'm actually almost completely deaf on my mm-hmm. right side. I keep forgetting that. Um, so I have a lot of weird, like ear stuff that goes Ooh. on. I totally get it. That's my regular life and has been since I was like 11. So fine. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm used to it. Mm. It's, it's a good time. So getting good at reading lips. I don't. I should probably not spend any more time on his chart, but I will put notes that I took up to this. Oh, yeah. Just yes. because there's so much that I can't 
cover in a timely manner. Right. Um, this was a really heavy one where I felt like we could probably talk about oh my God. We the could story. Probably, we could talk about their mm-hmm. charts for probably like a fucking three I know. hours. Like, <laughs> there'd yeah. be so much, like there's so much in this. Um, Let's see. His Neptune is in retrograde. That can cause, like, make you more prone to, like, delusions and, like, a wishy-washy perception Mm. of the world, like, your worldview. Um, Also, like, not, you have an issue, kind of issues with, like, uh, your intuition, maybe, or, like, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, kind of. Okay. Um, And then. So that's Eric. His, yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm just scanning to see if there's anything else. Make sure it's nothing else. Um. (laughs) Oh, I want to talk about their midheavens because it's like kind of what oh, they're, they're known what? for. It's like their tenth house cusp. It's the tenth house cusp. It's like I don't think I've heard of this. Uh, one. It sh- it's called their midheaven, and it shows mm-hmm. what they are known for. Um, oh, that's interesting. And I, I know I've mentioned it in other podcasts too, but like I, I don't know if I explained never, it as much. I just may have not picked up on that. I swear. So his is in Virgo, so that naturally makes him known as more of like a calculating, mm-hmm. meticulous. Right, meticulous person. But really, the way he schemes is much more fiery, like, as opposed to, like, Ed Gein <laughs> with his Virgo. We did, a, we did an episode on him, too, so check Ed it out. Ed Gein, I believe, is he's um, episode eight, and he's a, he's holy a, shit. Yeah, he's a Virgo, and his scheming is so much more, like... It's tactical. His was, like, so very... It, but, but Eric's is more, like... Fiery, okay. kind of like yeah, youthful, like warrior feeling. Um, oh, rather than that's a great description. Yeah, rather Aries versus, warrior. Aries is always like yeah. Versus Ed Gein, <laughs> who was very much like this is the order I have to do this in, and this is how mm-hmm. I need to do this, and I need to pick every piece apart, and every little piece has mm-hmm. a place. Like it was very like yeah, da, 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 very organized. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to have a lot of that emotion, which I think he was a Taurus, which <laughs> blows my fucking mind. It's like. But, yeah, it's just very... Very different. He has that, yeah, he has an Aries stellium, and he's obviously known for, like, being an aggressor already, but, like, he's also known as the schemer, partly because of that midheaven in hmm. um, uh, Virgo, but I, he, I honestly think he also was, in general, a schemer with that, like, Mercury and Folis situation. Okay. Um, and his North Node being in, in Leo really pushes him to express all of this that's yeah. going on. Um, so he's, with his Vertex and his North Node... I mean, he, it was kind of just like, I don't know, like he, like there wasn't, it, it probably didn't feel like there was another path for him to take. Wow. Um, being in yeah. his head probably didn't feel like there was another option. Clearly this seemed like the only mm-hmm. way out. And I could see him. why he, yeah. he probably would have been good in like the Marines, like generally. I don't, he probably would have hmm. had issues with the structure like a, of like it. An authority the probably. authority probably. I feel like authority would have been an issue problem. for sure. Um, yeah. But, but the, like, active, like, um, thoughtful, like, planning and, like, and executing. Yeah, and, like, like the... mo- that would have been good, but I don't think it would have been, like, a perfect fit. <laughs> um, he was really intended to go to war. Maybe he would have been great in Vietnam. I don't know. Uh, you know. Terrible. Yeah, he would have been better at the war part yeah. than the actual training. Like, active Or listening duty. to any one mm-hmm. part. Okay, so then Dylan. I got Dylan's chart now. Oh, so Dylan. Dylan is September 11th, which is interesting to know. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about the <laughs> caveat to uh-huh. September 11th. Holy yep. shit, that didn't stick out to me 1981. at all. 1981. Okay. Uh, and he was also born at 9-11 a.m. Are you serious? <laughs> what the heck? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. Um, 
And that makes him a Virgo. His son is in the 11th house. Uh, <laughs> Virgo's not the ninth sign, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, so he's um, son in Virgo. He has a conjunction as well on his son, which is Ceres, and that that's automatically going to make him come oh, yeah. off a little more nurturing and yeah. a little more. Um, Vir- Virgos also generally kind of nurturing. Like they want to take, they want to serve. They want to feel mm-hmm. like they're taking, they're needed. They want to feel like they're taking care of things. Um, like productive and they can be tedious, but it's also, it also is like a caring, more caring kind of placement. Um, a little bit more intuitive, uh, like earthly intuitive, uh, a little calmer, definitely calmer than like an Aries, uh, okay. <laughs> energy. Yeah. 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 Um, and then his moon is in Aquarius in the fourth house. Um, okay. having a fourth house moon is also going to make him more like kind of calm, homey, like wanting to... Not, it's not that exuberant, like, I've said exuberant a bunch of times, but, like, mm-hmm. a Leo, Aries, like, get yourself out there energy, like, Eric okay. had. Um, it's a little more reserved. It's definitely more reserved. Okay. Which, that's um, what everybody said about him, so that mm-hmm. totally makes sense. Yeah, and his moon also has some issues. It's square, uh, Chiron, and his vertex, so he, that also shows that, like, where he was pushed in life, like, it kind of, he had more reservations, maybe a little bit more reservations about mm. it. Um, but he, there's, I mean, plenty that obviously he, he, that was not enough (laughs) to, um, keep him from doing what he, what happened here. They definitely (laughs) kind of needed each other to make this happen. I can't wait for the sinistry Um, chart because that was mm -hmm. like my whole thought of this whole thing with their opposite personalities. Like, mm -hmm. it's almost like they fit together like a puzzle piece to make Like the Ken and Barbie killers. They fit, like, just just perfectly. That's episode six also. If you want to hear about um, Paul Bernardo and Carla Hamolka, Mm -hmm. that's a fucked up Canada story. That and the Gypsy Rose are probably my favorite sinistry readings so far. Oh, yeah. Uh, But this one's really good too. I don't know. Okay, so then we have, um, let's see, a lot of, let's see, do, 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 do. hit the important things. Also, I'm proud of myself for knowing what episode things are. I'm yeah, just, I was just, just going to say, too. like, I, I don't know how I knew that, but I did. So, his ascend- and then his ascendant, you want to know the rising, his rising is in Libra, uh, and that okay. also makes him more, pl- like, come off pleasant, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, people... Like, maybe people thought he was, like, nice-looking or sweet-looking or, like... I actually don't know like what the boys kind look of, like. I would... I, I might have looked up a picture. I, I did remember. not look at their pictures, um, and I normally do, and I did not. The kind of, like, balancing energy, like, kind of trying to recognize people for, um, like, who they are, um, as well as himself, and recognizing that people are different and balancing and blah, 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 blah. Um, that kind of thing is really a Libra thing, so he's... Got actually a huge stellium in Libra. Um, they have a ton of similar placements because they're only born like five months apart. So like a lot of those generational yeah. planets didn't make it that far uh, around. So there's already like a really like strong foundation for anyone who's close to you in age, like close to your birthday. Right. Um, so anyway, um, he has this really like caring essence but then it's like there's just this cloud over him like Aww, uh, like he's got neptune sad. squares and he's got like and that's you know a more of like that um kind of ethereal 
conflict and like intuitive issues uh mm. worldview issues like and that's really like um keeping him from feeling like he can be his full self and then he could have gone like in a healing kind of route i think if maybe if he'd not committed suicide um because he has a, some pla some good placements to chiron but then also the chiron is very heavy as well like if he mm. if he had lived longer and been able to pull himself out he really could have been like i could i could maybe see him as like helpful to so other people basically like he's someone who could have been rehabilitated i think had he um lived faced his faced what he had done served i mean he would have served a life sentence let's be honest but yeah. maybe he could have like done counseling in prison or could right have, like, i feel to like he kids at risk or, he would have been able to connect yeah. with others and like Probably, I feel like he had more of a potential for, like, being helpful in some mm -hmm. way. Where Eric, I feel like he probably would have been someone that people had to manage the rest of his life. <laughs> or, like, really, yeah. like, he needed to be taken care of. And he needed stability to feel like he, um, like, like balanced. Like, okay. anything that would, like, any kind of emotional challenge in his life would have thrown him off. He probably would have been a like, real fucking problem in prison. He might have been. He probably would have been, like, a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> like, if, like, not to, like, presume, but, like, if you were going to put, like, psychological kind of, like, things on this, like, mm -hmm. like his, Dylan's chart looks more, like, depressive, and then um, Eric's looks more, like, manic. Yeah. 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 In some way. Like, maybe borderline or whatever. Like, right. there's endless things so you could look into, but... Um, his is definitely, Dylan's is definitely more, like, um, upset. His Chiron is square his moon, like I said, too. And he can't escape his Chiron with his vertex conjunct his Chiron in retrograde. It's more of a reflective inner trauma. Mm. Um, and then Eric's, it's like, uh, he's probably more, um, I think Eric's probably more, like, brooding, and then Dylan is more, um... I need another word for reflective. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like, again, like this yeah. huge internal conflict. Mm -hmm. Like he's dealing with something inside of himself yeah. that he can't express. Whereas like um, Eric was very mm -hmm. outward, very expressive, and that maybe he like kind of turns it inward, mm -hmm. which I can relate to that. Like I, I express and outwardly needs a and inwardly. Push. But, yeah. he, like he needs to either get angry or have mm -hmm. someone else to do that with to like push him to be expressive because he does have his uh north node in leo conjunct mars i have mine conjunct mars but his being in leo makes it expressive okay. when he does get triggered um in that like fiery place and there were a few mm -hmm. accounts he that needed that fire yeah. from eric <laughs> like literally uh, and with, with eric's fire stellium like yeah he uh really needed that fire to like make something active to like escalate it yeah to, like to escalate it, it to yeah well and also another thing that just made me think of this mm -hmm. is where like because dylan had some of that nurturing a lot of mm -hmm. nurturing aspects in that's, his chart and that's what he eric was needed the emotional crutch yep. for eric mm -hmm. and so it's like it is like the two of it them is. like <laughs> eric was kind of his outer voice and he was kind of mm -hmm. like dylan was kind of his like inner nurturer they, to like this little yin and yang thing God, yeah it, it is really fascinating and then if like sad. literally if you look at their charts um you know eric has the aries stellium 
And then uh, Dylan has this Libra stellium, and that is the identity and the shadow of the chart. They're opposite. Wow. And they both have Venus oppositions. Um, I'll just go ahead and... I know, I was like, we're already moving into symmetry, Um, so let's go. They also (laughs) both have very interesting Lilith placements, which I think I can talk about in the death part here in a second. Okay. Um, So, yeah, they literally, like, if you put their charts on top of each other, it kind of looks like a balancing a little bit of energy because uh, they both have this... Aries, the self, the identity, the, like, ah, the initiation kind of feeling. And then Dylan has this more, like, looking towards others, like, trying to see his reflection in others and trying mm. to balance and, and blah, 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 like, be pleasant. And, uh, it sounds like that probably plays into, like, the social But also the shadow is had. also, like, what you reject in yourself. Uh-huh. So it's, it's like this whole thing where they really are um, balancing each other out. Um, wow. And then I could see with the with the Venus opposition, like, some hints that maybe, like, a romantic or maybe just really caring for each other. Well, it sounds um, like he was just, like, a romantic mm-hmm. type of guy anyway. Like, he had just gone to the prom, like, and he uh-huh. wrote really deeply and in And Eric was journal. heartbroken, and he it was very, homo- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting to think mm-hmm. about. And I would so, love to read those, like, journal entries and just see, oh, like, know. who Dylan was by himself versus, like, his writings with Eric and mm-hmm. kind of how it's, like, two identities almost. Yeah. Like, interesting. he definitely, oh, it's so interesting. And then, yeah. <laughs> um, there is some possible passion there because they've got, because um, on Eric's side, there is that Mars conjunct Venus. And mm-hmm. so wherever whatever is affecting his Venus is also affecting his Mars. So it could have, I don't know, there could be a little bit more, like, fiery oomph in that situation. Maybe not. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to tell um, looking at it so quickly. But, yeah. Um, and I don't want, I wouldn't want to say anything even if I did think that they were in a relationship. Like, it's, it's not my place right. to say that. So, um. And, and it, it's something that, like, nobody can prove. And, right. I think it was probably just speculation that they mm-hmm. just had a really close They're definitely friendship. extremely close. Either yeah. way. It's kind of like that opposites attract, balancing each other right. situation. Um, they have the same Chiron placement, except, like I said, Dylan's is in retrograde, so his is more introspective and like uh, less like uh, brooding. Oh my god, I can't. What am I going to do with this? The trauma um, situation. <laughs> yeah. And then they have the same Folus, but again, Dylan's is in retrograde, so uh, his is like a little more laid back than. Um, Eric's. Eric's is very intense with his placement. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both going to exaggerate in, like, a warrior type of way, if that makes sense. Um, it's so crazy Dylan's is just more that. relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Like, more introspective. Um, okay. They have several conjunctions. <laughs> of course, let me actually pull up the synastry so I'm looking at it. Um can't, can't have Dylan's on top of Dylan's. I need... Okay, there we go. Dylan, get off of Dylan! <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. They've got, like, Pluto conjunct, um, Saturn conjunct, mm-hmm. Neptune conjunct. Wow. Um, oh, everything. Like, because the slow-moving things are still going to be in the same place. Um, north nodes, so they're heading the same similar life path. Um, Chirons, Folis, uh, uh, really close, um, Lilith, and 
I'm probably missing Juno. I'm probably missing more, but the point, <laughs> point is there is a lot, but they still balance each other out. Like, Eric is literally his top three things, like, fire, water, water. Um, Dylan is earth, air, air. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, uh. And they, I mean, they definitely care about each other. I think yeah. that's, that's probably the most I can get there. And then... I'll do the death chart. Oh, the death chart. It's just crazy because I feel like uh, it. I, I don't know how this could have gone differently or if it could have gone differently. And if mm-hmm. that's, you know, like I feel like each of them on their own, like this couldn't have happened. Right. So, like they had to have each other. Exactly. Which is, again, like the sinistry reading why I was so interested to hear mm-hmm. it because it's like, how does this, how does one affect the other to make something like this fucking possible? Because it's horrific. Yeah. I definitely don't think Dylan could have done this by himself mm-hmm. at all. No. And I, Eric, I don't know. It, he's one that, like, maybe, depending on he how. He would be more likely, but he also. He probably would have, like, done something later in his life. I think on maybe his something own, maybe. else. Like a domestic violence situation, this. or right. I don't know. Yeah. I could just I think see this it. is a, yeah. Um, Going I mean, in Dylan's a Mars was is also conjunct Eric's North Node, so that gave him a little bit more like firepower, even though he mm-hmm. had a ton of it. Um, and wow. then Eric's Chiron is is square. Like, um, let's see, Dylan's Moon. I, I'm already losing track of myself here. I've got a different got chart a lot pulled of up in my notes. Going on. Um, and it it just like exaggerate. It it's like is comforting and nurturing, but it also really like adds conflict to Eric's trauma <laughs> at the same time. Like, they really push each other towards this. It's this so crazy. They, they also have the same vertex, like, house placement. So it's both in the eighth house, which is, like, death, transformation, intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get that. They kind of get the feeling of, like, well, we're both being, like, thrown into, like, this area of life. Like, wow. Sun, Quincunx, each other's sun. So there's, like... Um, kind of like a resistance type of feeling almost, but then so much care for each other. It's really interesting. Like, they're blocking each other's lights, if that makes sense. Like, they can't be, like, their most, like, um, like their, I guess, for lack of a better word, like their nicer selves. Okay, my interpretation of this is that they brought out the fucking worst in each other. Like, you know, like, they were both, like, the devil on each other's shoulders in a way. Like, I mean, I had, I had friends that it was, like, when we got together, it was, like, oh, we do, like, we, we might do something illegal later. Um, (laughs) we're totally speaking out tonight. Like, I had, like, some people really just bring that out any more than other people. It's kind of like I actually, in the fourth grade, had my mom and a teacher come mm-hmm. together and tell me I could no longer um, spend time with one friend that I have. Um, I had similar things. And, and I was never allowed to be friends with her again, and then we were enemies, like, the rest of our days. Wow. And, and I'm talking mortal enemies. I'm wow. talking, like, she started rumors about me that were super fucked up, and, like, it was Dude. some of that, like, mean girls kind of shit. Like, it was, but we were best friends, and then we were, I guess... My teachers that were energy concerned. had to do something. It's just like very extreme. Yeah, yeah. I, I was confronted by both my mother and a teacher, and it was like an intervention of like this friend is bad for you. At, when I was like eight or nine, so it was very early that people were like, like mine, "You can't hang I out had, with her." I, I had a series of people. Okay, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, not anything that intense, but I had a series of people. <laughs> okay, super intense. Um, 
So on their death charts, here we go. So Woo! Uh, at the time of their death, uh, Leo was on the horizon. Um, that is about expression. Mm. Again, expression, they making were, things public, making putting things out there. That's a fire sign, doing something themselves. about it, active, like dramatic. Um, they were living in it. Like they were right in before that, movie. it was in Cancer. So like as the shooting started, it would have been in Cancer, and it's like um, really like feeling their emotions and like really kind of like in a cathartic kind of huh. feeling okay. you know, to that. <laughs> um, so. You know, and then the sun would have been in Taurus, um, like just starting Taurus that day, mm. like just it had just moved into Taurus. Um, so he, they'd really been amped up from all that that Aries energy, uh, and then it just moved into Taurus, making things like material. Yeah, actually, isn't um, April twentieth? Isn't that day one of Taurus or like day two? That's mm-hmm. like I yeah, it, it it can vary like slightly, but yeah, yeah this I mean that's the like right sun on, was okay. the sun was still at the in the zero degree of Taurus. Wow. Okay. So, right. It just happened. Um, That's crazy. And then uh, what's really interesting is the moon was in Cancer, like exactly conjunct um, Eric's moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on Eric's chart in the eighth house, which is again about death and transformation and Scorpio and intensity and blah blah blah, blah um, you have his moon living there with his vertex, which is struggling for him, and the moon had come right there the day of the shooting as well um right on top of there so that when you have a lunar return it intensifies your emotions even more mm-hmm. <laughs> um sometimes it can be for good sometimes it can be bad it kind of really depends on what else is going on but like um he has a lot of stress on his moon already so he's you know lots of problems there um it's also where his vertex is uh, so he felt i felt like he probably really couldn't escape it that day it was like something he was really living in um and the yeah the rising in leo was um let's see yeah so it was it was in cancer and leo cancer during when the shooting started which is also his eighth house so it's like more focus on it um whenever something is coming up on the horizon like transitly it kind of just like makes you face that in your chart and it's something that happens you know, it cha- it goes all the way around the circle every day. So it's kind of like, it'd be really yeah. hard to do, like, a personalized reading. Like, in my transits, I never did, like, that specific. Because it would be, like, changing by the minute. You know? You know? Wow. Okay. Um, so, like, you could look at, like, Super okay, well, at, if you had an event at a certain time, you could say, like, well, on the horizon, this is happening. So you're going to be, like, facing this, mm. if that makes sense. Um, that's super interesting. Yeah, it, yeah, that's part of part of how that would work. Um, in his first house, what he was also would be would be facing um, Lilith came in uh, to his first house, so that is empowerment, uh, and that also is involved with his moon and his vertex and his scheming and things like that. He also had um, Lilith and inner intervening, interplaying, and whatever. Um, Chiron was in his first house. He was thinking about his traumas and how to empower himself. Oh, and Uranus God. was there, uh, really making it like really stirring things up. Like Uranus is kind of like a spontaneous, really kind of um, like lightning, electric kind of energy. Um, he was like high on his own trauma and trauma and right. action on it. Um, that definitely, um, 
was in the mm-hmm. forefront, like from the survivor accounts, mm-hmm. because none of that information was just available in researching right. the actual shooting. I'm sure, but just like the details of how they were behaving mm-hmm. at the time, they were clearly like living their oh, fucking best life. They were crazy. crazy. They weren't yeah. timid about it. Like no, they wanted um, it to be. He like, had Pluto there mm-hmm. as well, and Juno, and his vertex, and the vertex that was on the horizon was there too. So it's. Like, pushing him to express it. It's pushing him to stay committed to its plan. It's pushing him to do this Pluto-transformative thing <laughs> that, that uh, like, Pluto goes through your houses and, like, just, like, kills anything that's not serving you and, like, makes you transform that in your life at that point. Oh. So, like, if you have it in your first house, he is really focusing on, like, this, like, death change. Like, I have to do something to, like... Uh, change my situation and my identity and how I feel and oh my god so <laughs> he had a lot going on and yeah. then with Dylan uh, on their death time I'm like super interested in Dylan's because of just kind of oh Eric also had Vesta conjunct the north node they both would have had Vesta conjunct their north nodes um, that makes them really devoted to what they were about to do okay. so it was <laughs> quite the fucking production that's um, for sure for Dylan um, in the, his eighth house uh, Venus was transiting, so he was more like he cared a lot about what they were doing, um, oh, and so, so he was probably even caring a lot about Eric during this time and caring about everything, like uh, caring, being upset about his traumas and like, um, I, and all of that was uh, trying, making it working really well with everything that was going through his first house at the time, which was a lot more things. Um, he had Mars in retrograde conjunct his Juno, so that's like he really cares, and he's really motivated to stick to this plan, like whatever plans he has at time or <sighs> anyone who's com- he's committed to. It's really Juno is like marriage and commitment. So um, his wow. Juno was getting triggered as well as Eric's, um, and then they have he has Folus RX going through um, conjuncting his Venus and Pluto. And like I said, again, Folis exaggerates and makes you really, like, act on, (laughs) um, like, exaggerates whatever is going on in that spot of your chart. So, again, that Pluto energy of, like, transforming your identity and making everything, like, 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 different at any cost. Very grandiose type of. It's, Pluto is extreme. Yeah. That's always an extreme placement um, on your chart. And so... With Venus there too, he really cared again. It was very like a lot of care with this, and it's like, <sighs> and Venus can be a bitch. I know I've said that before. Like if Venus yeah. feels wronged, he's got a lot of Venus going on for him mm-hmm. uh, during their death and shooting time. Um, it's like Venus was ready for revenge, and yeah. everything else really made that possible. Oh God! <laughs> and I that that's all I think I have that I will talk about that's super fucking intense um yeah uh i think that is the most intense sinistry chart that we've looked at i don't know it's up there with like gypsy rose and dd blanchard but uh, holy shit i'm almost happy not to look at it for a while (laughs) yeah that yeah this whole story is really intense i like i said i had a poll to fucking do this story um, where there was something, it just came to me organically, and I just knew that we, we have were supposed to do, to do it. Like, because I had a, this is this has been like a really cool yeah. thing to look at, and we'll post more notes. Yeah, 
We'll post we'll mm. post all the stuff we've got and um I think we should like have pictures of the of the boys because I don't know mm-hmm. what the, I can't I'll put it I'll put, put it, it up in my somewhere. mind what they yeah. look like. So mm-hmm. Instagram, we'll probably Instagram. Oh for sure on Instagram. I have everybody all of our people on Instagram and like their sun, moon and risings if you yes. ever just want to browse. Yeah, it's actually because uh, it's really interesting. And you can find my, your murder twin. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. On my page, I tend to put, like, humorous music to <laughs> Music, I, really I think that I'm hilarious, and mm-hmm. I put very stupid music. She finds music. just the right song. For some reason, my Instagram still isn't letting me use the music button. Motherfucker. The sticker. That's bullshit! I yeah. had it for a long, forever, until, like, I don't know, maybe six months ago. It went away, and it hasn't come back. What the fuck? My other accounts have it. I mean, I put music on all this bullshit on mine, and then I tag Dark Alignment, and then Dark Alignment can go, yes, here it exactly. is, again. So, I'll put, I'm in charge of the music. How about that? Uh, okay. <laughs> all right, you guys. We well, did it. <laughs> that is the Columbine shootings. Thank you guys for, like, making it through that with us, and just for showing up and for being here. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. All of your support. We couldn't, we wouldn't be doing this if you guys weren't like into it. If nobody it. was into it. <laughs> it's so cool. We, yeah. I say this We'd every probably time. just be texting each other like, ooh, this, this, and this. And yeah, that's what we did so. before this. <laughs> we would just text each other. Yeah. Um, but seriously, like, we appreciate y'all more than we can even tell mm-hmm. you. Like, the, it's the coolest thing to have people like on board that are yeah. into something that it's we really think fun. is fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. It's vulnerable to create something and like put it out there and put like ourselves out there for mm-hmm. the world. But you guys are fucking amazing, and we hope you have a wonderful new year. Yes. Um, tell us about your resolutions. Tell us what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Please connect with us. Again, like us, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, join our Patreon for some cool fucking bonus content. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have some more rants and cool shit coming. Um. And yeah, you guys, so we hope that you stay awesome and continue to love yourselves. And we'll see you in 2020. See ya. Bye.